Real Talk with Chuck and Pam. We are back to let you know what to watch this Christmas season. It's my favorite time of year. Is it? Yeah, because of the, of the movies. Huh. Uh, yeah, yeah, family and all that. Give me a break. Forget but it. But because of the movies, <laughs> you know. The yeah, you had me and, going there for a sec. The, yeah, yeah, you know me better than that. <laughs> really? Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the studios, they hold back all the good stuff so that it's, you know, in the minds of the people who vote for the awards. And so it just becomes this, you know... I don't even know what to say. I don't know bombardment. What bombardment, smorgasbord. Uh, the smorgasbord. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, just, just, you know, one good movie after another. Not all of them, mm-hmm. but, you know. I know. It's a cinematic buffet. Oh, I like that. Isn't that good? I like that. And that's interesting that you say that because we have a definite, definite eclectic group of three movies we're going to talk about here. So, What do you want to start with? I don't know. What would be the appetizer? I think pizza. <laughs> Licorice pizza. <laughs> yeah, did you figure out what the name of the meant? No. Yeah, I guess maybe we're not supposed to. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson. Something unappetizing? Something, Something that or, doesn't go together? Or a combination Something. that you don't expect, which would definitely uh, go in or help explain okay. the main characters okay. uh, in Licorice Pizza. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, one of our great filmmakers. Um, he doesn't work enough. But when he does, it's always a special occasion. I mean, Punch Drunk Love, uh, There Will Be I Blood. I that one. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh, Boogie Nights. I mean, you always know something smart is going to happen, something innovative is going to happen. The Master was another one of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Licorice Pizza, even though it stars, you know, really has no big stars in it, at least in starring roles, uh, people were curious that this seems to be an oddball with him. It's just a relationship between a woman who's like 25 and a high school senior, a boy. Um, and yeah, that is just the oddest, oddest uh, thing, which really kind of took me a while to get used to, quite frankly, uh, in the movie. Um, let me see here. I, of course, am uh, floundering here. Uh, the main woman, young woman, who I, I just really loved. I know you had some problems with her. Elena Haim uh, from the Haims, the rock group. She plays uh, Elena. And basically, she's playing herself. Her and her two sisters and family are in it. Uh, Jewish family. And she's kind of directionless. She has a job uh, with the company that takes uh, pictures at schools. And that's where she meets uh, Gary. Cooper Hoffman, uh, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. Boy, dead oh, ringer. I didn't realize that. Yeah, dead ringer. Yeah, well, Thomas okay. Anderson's worked, worked yeah, with yeah, him, and yeah. so he's working with okay. the kid. And uh, Cooper is just com- completely taken with Elena. Uh, says basically that, you know, we will get married one of these days. We are going to go out. And she's like, really, you're just a kid. Give me a break. Give me a break. But there's something there, and she can't shake him. And she finds herself spending more time with him than she probably should uh, but, you know, she can't really help herself. There's no sex going on. I mean, it's not a lascivious type thing at all. I mean, I don't want it to make it sound like that. And there's really no story going on mm-mm, either. Mm-mm. There I is mean, no story going on. I mean, I, I probably, you know, provided more plot here than is actually in the script. Uh, it's really more a, a series of vignettes, okay. uh, incidents, uh Things that, that happen to them over the course of a couple of years that... Uh, it's a slice of life. It is. It's a coming-of-age thing. And I, I think you look back at, okay, these were the events that lead them, you know, key events in which they learn something about each other that lead them to their ultimate destiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, so connected by the characters, not so much by a story. One of my favorite moments of the year, though, was the truck driving thing. 
Oh, that was impressive. There is a moment. There is a moment, <laughs> and I can't even really explain. I don't want to explain how it all occurs. But uh, the film takes place in the 70s during the gas shortage. And they have this huge moving truck. And they find that they've run out of gas at the top of a hill. We're and talking California hills. California here. hills. <laughs> and uh, they're facing the wrong direction. And Elena hits the, uh, undoes the brake, and they start going down this hill. She drives backwards. She drives backwards, man. It is so cool. That was Steve, cool. That it was. was. I mean, Steve McQueen's got nothing right? on her. It was really <laughs> one of those great movie moments. Uh, two great perform, uh, supporting things, Sean Penn and uh, Bradley Cooper. Uh, they make an impression during the brief time that they are, they're there. I like the movie. Um, it just made me feel good, okay. I, I, which I guess is as thin of a reason as the script is thin. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I liked the people. I felt good coming out. I laughed a few times. It's too long. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I had a good time with it. How much did you see? I didn't sleep. Oh, you didn't sleep? I didn't. Because I noticed you slumped over in the chair a couple of times. And I was like, oh, yeah, she's gone. She's gone. No, I just changed, like, body posture to, to stay awake. It was, this was, I need, not thin, I need something with meat, with heart to it. And it had heart. I can't say I didn't have heart. It was just too much of a slice of life. And I can handle a slice of life. If it's a meaty slice? If it's a meaty slice. i got to have sausage, pepperoni. Are you hungry? I am. <laughs> and uh, i gotta, I got to have a deep dish. I can't do that New York thin stuff. Um, it just it wasn't it just wasn't enough for me to keep me engaged. Um, and I understand that. And, and I, I liked the characters individually. Um, I liked Gary, who is this entrepreneur, and he, by God, he is going to make it. No he, matter what, man. He, he starts all these different businesses. And is this supposed to be semi-autobiographical? I don't know, but I wonder. more than anything, it certainly captures that era oh it absolutely and that, that that era of 70s in california which i, I it has to be autobiographical for anderson because That's what with I was his thinking. age this has got this is the time in which he it grew fits up. it fits so, so in that respect yeah so i wonder was he raised by a single mom did he have all these other ventures that he he tried to make billions at you he's, know he's, he's, a, he's a waterbed magnate old. at yeah. 17 <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, a lot of that stuff is is over the top, and and a lot of the characters are over the top. Bradley Cooper's character is over the top, fun. Based on a real person, though, John okay. Peters. That he was really like real, that. Yeah, he produced Batman. He was a hairdresser. Oh, I he can was see Barbara that. Streisand's hairdresser, uh, and then he weaseled his way into a relationship with her, and then became a producer. He produced A Star Is Born as well. Oh, interesting. And then Bradley Cooper was in A Star Is Born. Well, the, well. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, he produced I mean, the Barbra Streisand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that was a real guy. That was a real guy. Okay, interesting. Yeah. That was a fun character. Yeah. I liked seeing that. Um, and, and, you know, this is making a lot of top ten lists, a lot of nominations and the critics' organizations that we're involved in. Um, I will tell everyone I did not vote for it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it didn't crack my top ten, but I liked it. Oh, it didn't? No. Oh, I thought it did. No. Okay, no. okay. All right, good deal. So is that, that's playing in theaters, right? It plays in theaters everywhere starting Christmas, so yes. What else we got? We got Don't Look Up. Don't Look Up. You really like this one. I, I liked it, but I one. think you liked it more than me. Um, I think, you know, this one, I, I, I loved it from the very beginning. And, of course, you know, we had extraordinary circumstances under which we saw the film. <laughs> um, we, were, we were flown up by Netflix to New York City, put up at this wonderful boutique hotel right in Central Park, and then walked to Lincoln Center 
Um, what was, a dump. What a dump. <laughs> um, and we had seats to see Don't Look Up, and it was a world premiere. And, oh, my gosh, can you imagine any more stars in one room than what we saw? We had... Uh, Jonah Hill, Meryl Streep, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, um, name some more, Adam McKay, who wrote and directed it. Ron Perlman. Ron, oh, I love Ron Perlman. <laughs> uh, Florence Pugh. Yeah, oh my goodness, yes, and tell us what she was wearing that she night. She had a tube top on. <laughs> <laughs> and a pair of shorts. Yeah, yeah, but then she also had a long coat. <laughs> long, gaping coat. Yeah, yeah, she stole the show, and she's not even in the movie. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> But this this truly is an all-star cast about a comet that is going to be hitting Earth in about six months. It's discovered by two MSU, Michigan State University. Go green. Go white. There you go. <laughs> um, who uh, discovered this. And um, uh, the uh, Jennifer Lawrence character named Kate is a PhD student. She's a candidate. And has discovered this. And wow, isn't that cool? We discovered a comet. Oh my God, not so cool. It's going to crash into Earth. And they have to convince everybody, the government, um, as well as other agencies and eventually the public, that this is a real thing and we need to really pay attention. How are we going to stop this? Because this is what's called a planet killer. Um, and the, the, whole, the whole thing just goes batshit crazy. Everything is out of control as they go to the White House and have a meeting with the president who's played by Meryl Streep. Um, she is a bit like, dare I say, Trump? Am well, I allowed you to know, say that? I don't think that the fact that she has red on throughout the film is an accident. <laughs> <laughs> and she is about as flippant about reality as you could possibly imagine. And then her son, who's played by Jonah Hill, who is the chief of staff, um, <laughs> who's got a bit of a, an Oedipal complex going on, um, <clears throat> which is just like all, all of these different people, they, they seem to be over the top. But then you look at the news and you realize they're not that over the top, which is a little bit disturbing. Right. Yeah. Um, and, but a lot of fun to watch their interactions and they can't get it through to, to the president. What is the term that they use? We're going to sit tight and assess. Yes. We're going to sit tight and assess. You don't have time to sit tight and assess. And everything has to do with the politics of the day and whether or not Congress is going to pass, who's going to get voted in, who's going to get voted out. And you realize what a debacle life is because of politics. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got Kate and um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character going out and trying to figure out how to spread the word. They go on a morning talk show hosted by um, the characters Bree and Jack, I believe it is. Yeah, Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry. Mr. Perry, as I am supposed to call him. Um, You're just never going to get over I that. I am never going to get over that. Get I over hope that. I see Jesus. him at the Critics' Choice so I can oh. tell him what happened. Okay. Um, and Kate Blanchett's character of Bree. This was a highlight to me. Kate Blanchett was fucking hysterical. I loved every minute that she was on the screen. Um, is there a character that stands out in this movie for you? Um, I would say probably Timothy Chalamet. Okay. I liked his character in this too, shockingly. As well as uh, Melanie uh, Linsky, yeah. who you know from... Um, that awful show with Charlie Sheen and many, a million other movies okay. as DiCaprio's uh, estranged wife because he wanders away and he shouldn't. Uh, and then there's another character you love that you haven't mentioned yet, but, mm -hmm. uh, Mark Rylance. Oh, my gosh. Uh, okay, so Mark Rylance plays the... character of Peter 
Isherwell, Jesus Isher, God. Isherwell. Uh-huh. Peter, Peter Isherwell. He is not only on the spectrum, he's right in the center. <laughs> he's in the center of the spectrum. But he's this billionaire <laughs> he genius, genius guy. So he's like a Steve Jobs or an yeah. Elon Musk kind right. of character. Yeah. And he's got billions of dollars. I know that's not a word. And he donates to the politician so he can do anything he damn well pleases and he's going to try and figure out how to stop this comet but oops something else happens where maybe he doesn't want to stop the comet mm-hmm. um his makeup and his mannerisms i was like who is that guy who is that guy because he he he, talk, he talks like this and and you can't make eye contact and, with him. He, and his expression never changes no it doesn't it's just, this and he 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 talks like this blank he's a blank <laughs> but he's He's an hysterical blank. Um, So all of these characters is what it sounds like is they are crazy over the top, but there's so much realism to it. It's scary. And the time is ticking by. Will they stop this comet? Will they have the ability? Will they convince the general public? And the memes that come about and the social media that that is interwoven into this is exactly what we see in our society Mm -hmm. now. And the dum-dums that don't look up. (laughs) and are convinced that they shouldn't because one person tells them not to. Um, I think that's what, and I I talked about this in our last podcast. My husband and I watched this together at home, and he was infuriated by it. Yes, yeah. He didn't enjoy it because he was so angry because it was too close to reality. And I can understand that completely. I do too. And to McKay's credit, I mean, this is a a fine line you're walking uh, between, but, but that's what he wants. He wants us angry. Uh, we should be angry. And, and I think also, this isn't trending well review-wise. I think it's at 58% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think two reasons for that. One of them, as I told you, I think it's the politics. Yeah. You, know, you can tell uh, where each sure. critic's political beliefs lie in the way they reviewed this film. And also, I think there's also some anger, which is maybe makes people not review it correctly. Uh, it's a good story told well. It is, but not only that, it's timely. It's right on the mark. It's relevant. It's right on the mark, and it's it's frightening. It because is. Because it's so damn real. It is. And uh, <clears throat> I understand <clears throat> your husband's reaction perfectly. I was mad, too, but laughing at the same time. Mad and laughing, and then later on, scared shitless. I yeah. mean, I lost sleep over it and i am somebody who is environmentally conscious but what can we doesn't do matter. it doesn't and then it's interesting at the the q a the panel discussion with leonardo dicaprio and and meryl streep though those two people were on uh, polar opposite ends of the spectrum as far as hope uh yes dicaprio he goes i don't mean to be a negative nelly or a negative nancy but it's too light yeah, he says i really don't have much he goes, hope have you seen the documentary before the flood he mm-hmm. goes then we had 15 years, and that was five years ago. Yeah. You know, and then Meryl Streep and, and Adam McKay both were more hopeful in saying, we've got the carbon <coughs> capture, we've got the ability to, to stop this. But do we? We do, but we don't have the right people in charge. Yeah. So we need a world working together. Not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So on that happy note, it's a really funny movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well done, the well dark, acted. You know, yeah, it's it's dark comedy. You it know, is like a coal mine at midnight. Yes. comedy. Yeah, so, and yeah. the canary is going to die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> completely. <laughs> hey, also speaking of absolute power that corrupts absolutely. Yes. The tragedy of Macbeth. Yes. <clears throat> like we need another Macbeth, like a hole in the head. No, no, I think we do need that hole in the head. It was great. It <laughs> really is great. 
Uh, Joel Cohen of the Cohen Brothers. Not sure why Ethan is not involved in this. I don't know. You know, when I first signed up to go see this movie, I thought, oh, the tragedy of Macbeth, and I just saw Cohen. And automatically I thought, okay, Cohen Brothers. I didn't mm-hmm. didn't read it carefully. I'm sorry, publicists. I didn't read it carefully. I thought, oh, good. <laughs> it's going to be a Macbeth comedy. How fun is this going to be? No, it was not a no. comedy. <laughs> no, stripped down, uh, stark. Beautiful. Fabulous. Just fabulous. Um Denzel Washington plays the doomed king. And quite frankly, I thought in the first third, he was the weak link. He was. He was He didn't stiff. grab me. He yeah. was stiff. And I felt as though he was running through his lines. That there was no inflection or true meaning behind them. Yeah. He gets better. Oh, he gets a lot better. I mean, I mean, once things start to happen, he, he, <laughs> he clicks in there and is like, okay, you got it now. Yeah. But I was like, wow. He And I was worried there about the first 20 minutes. Because so much, I mean, I love Shakespeare, but I do need the cliff notes. I don't understand everything that's happening all the time. And Macbeth is one of my favorites. But, you know, this is the language, and this is written in Shakespearean <clears throat> times, and he stays true to that form of right. language. And that's hard to understand. So you gain and glean so much information on someone's emotion while they're talking. It's kind of like watching opera. You don't really get the right, gist right. of it unless there is passion and emotion behind it. But good actors make us understand. Right. And, and Denzel... Does didn't get there. initially. He doesn't initially, but he but did he get does. there. Yeah. Frances McDormand is Lady Macbeth. Oh. Initially, boy, she's there. She's there. And, she's uh, incredible. <clears throat> yeah, you know, you, you you get tired of saying things. Oh, she's great. She's great here, man. I mean, she's she's genuinely frightening. Yeah. And then ultimately quite tragic. I love this movie visually. Black and white. It's like we're watching this stage production. Uh, it reminds me a lot of what Orson Welles used to do with his Shakespeare films and, and, and theater productions. Uh, it's, it's stripped down. It's bare. We're concentrating on the story. We're concentrating on the characters. And he cuts away a lot of stuff. We're at an hour 45. And I think I love that because, you know, this character is on an inescapable path of doom. And he's speeding towards it. You know, we don't have all these extraneous things. He, he, he's, he's going there. Right. And also, as we were watching, I know you noticed visually how many times he's trapped. Oh, absolutely. By the set. Or and we feel he, trapped. Yeah. Well, yeah, because then it's also, we're, it's not a widescreen film. Right. Uh, he also went with a more of a square aspect ratio. Uh, yeah, I don't know how many times, because the camera placement or the way the set is, he's trapped throughout. I mean, there's no yeah. getting away from this at all. And it's just... And then the light, huh. the lighting. Oh, Jesus, yeah. It, it, it made things <clears throat> beautiful or formidable. And talk about the witches. Oh, Jesus, the witch. the witch. Yeah, and I think we, we were talking about this afterwards. At times, this is more of a horror film uh, than Shakespeare. And I love that Cohen uh, keyed in on the horrific aspects of it. Yeah, this woman, Jesus, this woman who plays the witches. And they have one woman. Uh, playing all three witches. Oh, yeah, the voice is bad, but, you know, you can't see it. But uh, Pam is twisting herself into contortions because this actress, Catherine Hunter, who apparently is a Broadway veteran. I didn't know anything about her. But, yeah, she twists her body oh my God, into it's like these a Cirque weird thing. shapes as the witch, <laughs> witches are giving, you know, this pronouncements of what's going to happen. And they do some cool visual things. To show us that there are three witches, but right. there's one witch. And, oh. and that second appearance where they're perched or she's perched like a, a bird of prey. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. God. 
I love this film. It's yeah. on my t- best of list this year. And, Mine as uh, well. And again, another one of those where I hope we get one of those making of books just to really stop and appreciate the visual mastery of this thing. I want the script. Yeah. The, Rarely the, do this. I want the script. I want, I want the script for this one. Right. To see where he cut and, and yeah. how he... Yeah, that would be a, a, a great addition as well. Yeah. Um, we were lucky... Seeing it on a, on a, on a big screen. I right. This is going to premiere on a- Apple. It'll be in theaters in the bigger cities, bigger markets. I hope they spread this one out though, because it's you, you really need to be taken in. That and way. and I hope I hope that Shakespeare is still on teachers' lists to teach in high school, maybe college. This is something that would really augment a curriculum. Not only augment, but I think also suck the reluctant in. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, you do have to know the story of Macbeth, I think, to appreciate this, though. So oh, if you go in and you were, you know, hoping for a John Wayne movie, you might be disappointed. Yeah. Not going to happen. No. Nope. Or a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it's another comedy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we need to work on. We, we need to work on the comical Macbeth. There we go. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's get Joel and Ethan together and to work on the remake. Yeah. Okay. Get George Clooney back involved. There you we know, go. He's always you know, in the idiot <laughs> Cohen films. Yep. All right. Well, that's it for this week. I think next week, aren't we going to tackle like best of? Let's do it. Yeah. That sounds good. Some overlap on our lists, but uh, plenty. It was a good year. It really was a good year. And I'd really like to do a special segment of Tide for 11th because I think I have five in that 11th I've slot. I've got, I think, about 10. Do you really? Yeah. It, wow. Like I said, it was a good year. All right. Let's do it. Sounds good. Everybody, check out our website, realtalkwithchuckandpam.com. And check out our Facebook page as well.